0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 21, Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night. Tomorrow in Las Vegas, Nevada, you got the number three welterweight on planet Earth, Leon Edwards, taking on Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad, one of our favorite prospects, finally gets the big opportunity to fight the number three welterweight on planet Earth, Leon Edwards. And you know, the winner is going to put themselves in a very good spot uh, in title contention, Shaq.
1: 100% man. And, uh, Leon Edwards, I mean, a lot of people been saying he deserves a title shot. He did beat Dos Anjos his last fight. He has wins over Vicente Luque, Tumena or some other good names. So let's see what he does this weekend because his performance against Bilal Muhammad is going to let us know if he's ready for that title shot or not. Uh, He already fought Kamaru Usman and Bilal Muhammad. I mean, you know, uh, even though he's not the most popular guy, you know, he kind of just creeped into the rankings as of recently. He's been putting in work for a long time. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, a a nice little or an interesting little tidbit. Did you know that Nate Diaz has fought twice since the last time Leon Edwards uh, fought inside the octagon? Uh, It's interesting. It's been a long ass time since we've seen Leon Edwards and you know what kind of pace Bilal Muhammad's going to push. So we're going to, know right off the bat, if Ring Ruster is gonna if Ring Rust is gonna be a, f- a factor or not, uh, Shaq. So I uh, I can't wait to see what happens uh, when these two lock horns, man.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Uh, Leon Edwards, I mean, out of England, he's gotta be the the number one guy. Till didn't come through for the welterweight title, uh, <laughs> so you know he's up next. It's unfortunate he didn't get that fight against Tyron Woodley. You know, his fight was the first one to uh, get canceled by all the COVID stuff, so. He's finally back. Imagine if he could have got his hands on Woodley uh, before before Gilbert and Colby did, you know,
0: oh man, you know, he would have been the guy. But man, it's unfortunate uh, how things work out. But now he's got a main event opportunity. And we're going to break down this whole card start to finish. But uh, first, I uh, got to got to tell you all something a little bit about our sponsor, Manscaped. So, guys, uh, COVID spring break is right around the corner. And you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even uh, Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no uh, to this pants party, uh, if you know what I mean. Um For everyone preparing for a pants party this spring break, I have an exclusive 20% off discount. Use the code battle20 at manscaped.com for 20% off. And free shipping, and uh, I mean, you don't got to deal with cutting yourself. You got to be ready for those short-notice opportunities. You already know how Kevin Holland does it. You already know how Max Holloway does it. You already know how Manscaped-sponsored athletes do it, and Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Uh, cordless body trimmer, which is uh, what I'm holding right now. This thing's fucking badass. Look at that LED light. So there's no more excuses. uh, If it's dark or not, whatever. If you lose power, you can still shave with this fucking thing. And that's why I love it. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest or ball shave. Now, People were saying I got too much chest hair, but the chest hair ain't going. The ball hair, however, let's get rid of it. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can also adjust the settings to get a length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Don't ruin any vibes this spring break or upcoming summer with some peaking pubes coming out of your swimsuit. Trust me, that's a thing of the past, guys. Be sure to use their crop cleanser body wash to keep uh, your hair and skin, you know, feeling healthy and fresh. For me, it's just, you know it's the facial hair right you know what i mean uh, us bald dudes hey but we got to smell good up there too inside the perfect package you'll find the manscaped crop preserver ball deodorant and anti shafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful shaving can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day you'll also find the crop reviver ball toner a spray-on testy toner that's designed to give your boys a nice little slice of heaven i can confirm it smells amazing and for a limited time subscribers get two free gifts the shed travel bag which is a 39 dollars value and the patented high performance reduced chafing manscaped boxers so you guys know the deal get 20% off and free shipping with the code battle20 at manscape.com do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job get 20% off and free shipping with the code battle20 at manscape.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code battle20 say aloha to your new beautiful balls with manscape shack
1: yeah i couldn't have said it better myself so go ahead and get the use that discount code and get you some manscape and, and and change your life
0: downstairs man <laughs> well Shaq let's get right down to business man because first up in the welterweight division we got a matchup between Jason Witt he's 18 and 6 and Matthew Semmelsberger is 7 and 2 currently they got Matthew Semelsberger minus 120 the comeback on Jason Witt is plus 100 so Shaq I think this is a case where we know exactly what both guys want to do Jason Witt He's a relentless wrestler, Matthew Semelsberger. His uh, is nickname uh, is nicknamed Semi the Jedi. I mean, the guy seems like a tank for uh welterweight. It's just a question of can he touch the chin of Jason Witt uh, before he gets taken down here, Shaq?
1: Yeah, Jason Witt, he had a, a good win in his last fight against Cole Williams, but we know Cole Williams doesn't belong in the UFC, and Semmelsberger also fought a guy who doesn't belong in the UFC. So you know, I could I could see why this would appear to be a, a closely lined fight, but man. Jason Whitty's a guy. He's like kind of the veteran. He did capitalize on a couple of uh, young kids on the local scene, out there in, uh <coughs> out there in Missouri. But it, his style is like you know, kind of like he, his game is you know based on can he wrestle his opponent or not. And his in in my opinion, Dan, his stand up is a bit of, a bit of a liability. I think his chin is very very questionable. Not only the uh, Takashi fight, which I'll cut him some slack. I mean, that was one day notice. But uh, the fight, there were some fights on the local scene, man, where he got wobbled several times. So uh, Simmelsberger, he's a big, strong dude. A little green, one hundred percent. He's only got what eight, nine fights. Uh, he knocked out Pardon, Shock had a good three round performance against Minus, which uh, a fight which was also on short notice. But I just think Simmelsberger is the higher ceiling fighter. I think Wit, this is, I mean, this is what he is. He's either can he wrestle or not. I think Simmelsberger is strong enough. Uh, good enough takedown defense to stuff these takedowns and and make him pay. I think at some point Simmonsberger will clip him and he will get dropped. Uh and it'll probably go three rounds because Simmonsberger's a little green, but I I, I see Simmonsberger. I honestly think he could be a higher favorite. I think uh he's younger, he's fresher, uh higher ceiling. So uh, I'm going with Simmonsberger for the win.
0: The biggest issue here is that Jason Witt has no chin. If Jason Witt had a chin, then, I mean, then you can make a case here because some of the defensive wrestling I've seen from Semmelsberger, I mean, I've I've seen worse, don't get me wrong, but that's why, you know, he's not a bigger favorite here. That's the reason why, because he has been taken down on the regional scene. You got to be worried about what happens if, if Witt doesn't get touched and Witt can get on top of him. Those are the areas of concern. The thing is, it's not gonna take much to knock Wit out. I mean, he could lay on Semmelsberger the entire first round. They get up for one second. You remember that junior albini versus Rosen fight? It could be something like that, where you know he gets laid on, but as soon as they get back up and he touches his chin, the fight's over. So I have to lean with Semmelsberger for that reason. I just wish um I had a little more confidence in his defensive wrestling because we know exactly what Wit wants to do the thing is i have even less confidence in wits chin so for that reason i'm going with matthew Semmelsberger here now next up in the strawweight division we got a match between the former invicta adamweight champion Jin Yu frey she's nine and six and gloria de paula is five and two currently they got gloria de paula minus 180 the comeback on Jin Yu frey is plus 155 so Shaq. uh you Know what's funny, I've heard a lot of people talking about this whole experience thing about how Jin Frey is so much more experienced than Gloria de Paula. And listen, it's facts, right? She won the Invicta title. She's, you know, had you know more than double the fights. I get that. However, you could have used the exact same argument when she fought Kate Hansen, who only had nine pro fights uh you could use the exact same argument when she fought loma luke Bumi, who only had six pro fights. now she's up there with someone who's had seven pro fights. so the experience thing i don't even give a shit about that i'm throwing that out the window just for the sole fact that i just saw uh jen frey lose to two uh significantly less experienced opponents back to back now you bring up uh now we got to talk about the how they match up stylistically Yu Frey is kind of like a a patient counterfighter. I mean, she's got a decent left hand. And if you don't throw back at her and you kind of just, you know, have a staring contest with her, that's where she's going to excel. And maybe she can get a takedown or two. The difference here, though, is the aggression the willingness to go forward of Gloria de Paula, And um, basically, I've heard a lot of comparisons to her girlfriend, uh, Myra Shitara Bueno Silva. And. They do have a lot in common, just in terms of how aggressive they are. They come from that shoot-a-box style, but I'd actually say that Gloria de Paula might have the cleaner strikes of the two, and her takedown defense is slightly better than uh, than her girlfriend Myra Shitara. So, I actually think that Gloria de Paula is going to come out here and double up Jinnu uh, Frey on strikes and just win this fight because she's she is better. But if you take skills away. And you talk about heart, man. I think Gloria de Paula wants this more. And I like the fact that you know she has taken setbacks before, but they were both to UFC opponents, like people that are in the UFC right now. And you look at some of these other prospects. Like you look like you look at like Amanda Rebos. She got knocked out by Pollyanna Viana on her regional scene. You look at Viviana Araujo. She lost to Sarah Froda on her regional scene. So I'm not holding those losses against Gloria de Paula at all. Like, I, I don't I think they're irrelevant because when you're dealing with someone with less than 10 pro fights, they're going to be making these huge leaps every single time they fight. So bottom line, I see that shoot the box style coming out here and roughing up Ginny Frey, getting her out the UFC. We'd love to see. We'd love to have Ginny Frey in the NFC. I got Gloria de Paula here to get it done. And um, I think that we're going to have a new uh, power couple uh, in the UFC shack. Yo, you're muted, my man.
1: Yeah, I just think this fight is uh pretty cut and dry for Gloria DePaulo. You know, she's making her debut. Uh, Jenny Fry, look, she's on the tail end of her career. She's like 35, 36 years old, I believe, somewhere in that range. Um, she's been KO'd stiff before by Sohee Ham. So I, I see the reasons why uh, she has this hesitation ish- hesitation issue. She just holds back. And, and pretty much all of her fights, I thought she got broken by Kay Hansen. She got a, uh, she had a good first round, uh, but I honestly think DePaula might be a little bit more well-rounded than the both of uh, Kay Hansen and Loma. Um, Loma's more of a specialist in the Muay Thai, and Kay Hansen's more of a grappler. But I think Gloria DePaula showed in her contender series fight that she could do, could do uh, both aspects very well. She trains with Myra Bueno Silva, and this is just more of a, like you were saying, a, a will thing. I think Gloria DePaula just simply wants it more. She's more hungrier. Ginny Fry, you know, so, you know when you get to get these girls on the tail end of their career, the former Invicta champs, they kind of don't really do that well in the UFC, so I, uh, I'm i going with uh, Gloria DePaula here to just kind of outwork her and push a pace on uh, Genu Fry, just like how she fell apart against Kay Hansen and, and Loma me. I thought that was an even worse performance. And she actually looked in good shape. It was just Loma took it to her and honestly beat her up. So um, I'm going with uh, Gloria Paula
0: Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Courtney Casey, who's 9 and 8. She's taking on JJ Aldrich, who's 8 and 4. Currently, they got JJ Aldrich minus 160. The comeback on Courtney Casey is plus 140 uh Shaka, I- i'll let you take this one first man uh you're going with you know it's interesting because i would say casey you know might actually be the tougher fighter here but god damn that those that those questionable decisions she makes and that takedown defense it's a lot to overcome so what do you think man
1: yeah i've never never uh i've always thought courtney casey's been a little flaky definitely not the type of fighter uh Betting wise, I like to to get in business with in business with her. Takedown defense is not very good. She's very plotty. She's very slow. I think she's gonna, uh, you know, a little older these days too. She's talking about even going up to one thirty-five. She was a a former uh one hundred fifteen pounder. So you know, I think that she kind of has other interests. I think JJ uh is just probably I don't want to say more hungrier, but younger, fresher, more to. I think more to give. Um her losses to Mazo and Macy Barber, you know, all young girls fighting each other and she uh she definitely she got knocked out against Macy Barber, but she did have a good first round. I mean, there is some skill there. She does have a good left hand. As for I just think Courtney Casey's just I mean, her record speaks for itself. Uh it's not it's not very good. Um and it's just very hard to trust. I think JJ Aldridge is just younger. She's got more room to improve. As we're at Courtney Casey, this is I mean, this is what it is. Um I, I get I guess she is the underdog. It could be line closer to be a pick. but I'm gonna go with the younger fighter. I'm gonna go with uh, JJ Aldridge to to land the left hand and maybe mix in a takedown or two.
0: I mean listen, I can't really debate the the points you brought up. They're they're all hundred percent true. I'm actually gonna go on the opposite side, but for me to pick Courtney Casey um basically I need a few things to happen. I need someone that's not gonna shoot for takedowns. Uh JJ rarely ever shoots for takedowns, rarely lands takedowns as well. And I need someone who isn't really the toughest. So if this was a pickup, maybe it could go either way, but you know, I've seen I've seen uh JJ standing TKO before. I've seen JJ get dominated by Julia Juliana Lima before. And and I know you can name me all eight of Courtney Case's losses and tell me about how shitty your takedown defense but i I already know these facts i'm just gonna pick courtney casey because i think she's got slightly more output and if there's no takedowns involved i think she can edge a split so i'll go with courtney casey here uh reluctantly now next up in the lightweight division we got a matchup between Nazrat Hakparas. he's 12 and 3 and hafa garcia is 12 and no i think it's rafa actually he's mexican not brazilian Currently, they got nazrat Hakparast minus 420. The comeback on Rafa Garcia is plus 335. So interestingly enough, Shaq, last week, you know, I was doing a little, uh, you know, I-, I was scouting around on topology and I came by R- uh, Rafa Garcia. I was like, man, I can't wait to see this guy in the UFC one day. You know, he's beat a bunch of UFC vets. He's undefeated. He's a tough Mexican warrior, comes to fight. Not going to go down without a fight either. So I've been waiting for this guy to be in the UFC for a long time. I just wasn't exactly prepared for him to get Nazrat Hakparast in his UFC debut, Shaq. So uh, what do you think, man? I mean, listen, uh, this is this is not a walk-in-the-park debut, but you know Rafa's got that winner's mentality. So how do you see it going down?
1: Yeah, I just think he's he's in over his head on this one. Uh, I'm sure the kid will be back, and he'll come back and have a, a, a better UFC performance. But we're talking about Hakparast, a guy who's knocked out Joachim Silva, been in there with Dover been in there. He's just very UFC experience, and he's still young, and he's still improving. Uh, so Hafa Garcia, honestly, I just think the skill level in, in Combate that he's been fighting definitely got some good knockout wins like the last one against LaRue, Bur- uh, LaRue Burley, but it's just a different level of competition, man. I see his style being too predictable for someone like Hack Hackbaraz. He throws single shots at a time you know, he overextends on his right hand and, and a guy like Casper Askman he'll, he'll snipe you with that left and counter all day. So I kind of see something like that happening. And you know, he's very tough, but I think that toughness is what's going to get him into trouble here. He likes to take too, too many, uh, you know, punches from these lower level guys. And you know, if that's happening, I, I see Hackparast getting a KO in here. And Hackparast, man, he looked very good in his last fight against Munoz, who, you know, another guy who wasn't on his level. And, I mean, he he treated him. He showed him the ropes. I see something similar happen,
0: happening. Yeah, Hackparast has a fucking nuke of a left-hand, man, and uh, his hand speed. And now that he's getting some seasoning in there, he's been in there with some legit competition. I mean, remember what he did to uh, Mark G. Casey Remember what he did to Neto BJJ. You know, having the loss to a top 15 guy in Dober is just, it's part of the process, man. Um, you know, Rafa has got the the false confidence of the undefeated fighter. Um, and when I say false confidence, that's not to take anything away from a true Mexican warrior like Rafa Garcia. I just mean that he doesn't know what it means to lose. And. For a lot of people having an undefeated record, you know, that makes you want to bet on them. For me, it just means he hasn't fought the right guy yet. And granted, he did beat the two UFC vets he fought. You know, Esteban Payan finished him how you're supposed to. Humberto Bandene, uh, I thought he clearly beat him too. Now, a lot of people are criticizing Rafa for not destroying Humberto Bandene. And my, my whole take on that was, well... Humberto Band and I had four fights in the UFC and he only got destroyed once and it was by a legit guy. So I don't hold it against Rafa that he went to a decision with, with a UFC vet. I thought he clearly won the fight, but back to this, um, You know, there is some speculation that maybe Rafa could drop to 145 pounds. He has fought there in the past. His last six fights, however, were all at 155 pounds. But Shaq, you know how my Mexican warriors get down, man. You know we ain't putting down that pastor. You know we ain't putting down that chorizo. So I understand why he's fighting at 55. And look, he is kind of short. He's definitely stocky, man. He's a big boy. Him getting down to 45 is going to hurt. But I think he can do it with uh, the performance institute. But bottom line, I think Nazrat's got the faster hands. I think he's got the more experience. And the fact that Rafa is going to get aggressive and in his face, maybe Rafa can catch him. He's been caught before. But if that doesn't happen, I see Nazrat uh, hitting him with some hard shit, potentially being the first man to knock him out, but for sure being the first man to defeat him. So I'm going to go with Nazrat Hockper has to get it done. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Ronnie Yaya. He's 26 and 10, and Ray, the Judge Rodriguez, is 16 and 7. Currently, they got Ronnie Yaya, minus 280. The comeback on Ray Rodriguez is plus 240, so they they call him the Judge because he doesn't let, he doesn't like uh, to let fights go to the distance. He wants to be the Judge, and from what I've seen from him, it seems like he's got some decent knockout power, but I've been hearing people talk about how he's got some kind of grappling background of his own. Then I then I go back and I watch that Gravely fight where he was taken down at, with ease. I see that that Boom Kelleher fight where, you know, he shot in on him. I I get it. It was a day notice, you know, to cut weight on a day. Like, you know, maybe he wasn't thinking clearly. But that was kind of a bonehead move um, to shoot in head first against a guy with, you know, one of his best moves is the guillotine. So I, I really think there's a case where Ronnie probably takes him down one time. The fight is over shortly after. However, the thing you got to be careful with with Ronnie Yaya is that if he runs you through that early submission series and he can't get you out of there. You know you know how Shaq and I like to talk about that Brazilian mummy? Um, he will gas out to a point where uh he will become a walking punching bag. So if Ray can survive this first minute, I mean this first round and a half storm, then Ray could be a live dog. However, Gut says Ronnie probably takes him down and finishes him. His submissions, his his series, his everything. He can pull guard and sweep you. He can take you down traditionally, he can do. He can jump on your back and, and don't, don't sleep on his stand up, too. His, he's so confident in his ground game that he's going to sling leather as well. So I do have to go with Ronnie Aya here. However, at the li- you know, live betting, if this goes past the seven minute mark and you start to see Ronnie Aya huffing and puffing, that's where you might take a live bet on Ray Rodriguez. I mean, I cashed on Joe Soto to beat Ronnie Aya, but Joe Soto's got a wrestling background. Someone let me know if Ray Rodriguez does. I'm going to go with Ronnie Aya via submission here, Shaq.
1: Yeah, honey, I, I, he's uh, he's one of the t- t- tough guys to predict because, you know, he could be controlling this fight for two rounds, and, and when things fall apart for him, they fall apart very quickly in in uh, catastrophic fashion. I mean, he, he you know, he's very one dimensional. Um, his last fight against Barzola was a good case of that. Won the first two rounds, and then got absolutely smashed the last one. Um, something similar happened with Joe Soto, and he kind of has a history of losing the guys that, you know kinda uh, when you think on paper really shouldn't you know beat him. Joe Soto, Tom Nenemaki. Um, I mean he's lost to some he's lost to some jobbers before. So man, I honestly think betting wise you could look uh you know like you were saying if Ray Rodriguez can somehow survive. But I mean he doesn't make good grappling decisions. So it wouldn't surprise me if he if he got tapped out and tapped out in, inside the first round. But honey yeah, yeah, he's hard to trust at that price because you need you need him to get him out of here early cuz that, that the uh the late rounds are going to be a big swell with him and he's very small in, in comparison to Ray Rodriguez Ray Rodriguez is one of the bigger bantamweight frames that I've seen um he has a win over a submission guy in the past like Jimmy Flick but you know like we said uh he he doesn't have, he doesn't make good decisions on, in, in the grappling so um I'll pick Honeyaya as well but I honestly think you can honestly be hoping this i don't want to say ray rodriguez is the side to take but i would not lay that much uh juice on honey at this stage in his career
0: and next up in the featherweight division before we talk about this fight y'all do us a favor give us a like on this video give us a subscribe we appreciate it but next up in the featherweight division we got charles air jordan he's 10 and 3 and marcelo rojo is 16 and six currently? They got Charles Jordan minus 245. The comeback on Marcelo Rojo is plus 205. Uh, Shaq, uh, so me and you had a conversation about this privately yesterday, but let me just let me just preface this. I'll let you go first. But so the first three fights that Charles Jordan had in the UFC I mean, Des Green, Duho Choi, Andre Feely like, hey, those, those are tough fights out the gate. Then he got a step down against Josh Coolabau and he was the biggest favorite on the card. He was like minus six fifty. Ends up getting dropped in the first round, goes to a draw. What's your opinion here? I gotta know, man. With uh with this kid at shock again.
1: Yeah, I think uh Jordan, look, I've never I've never been the highest on him, but I will acknowledge, I mean, I think this is just a part of the early growing pains in a in the UFC career, man. I mean Josh Koulibao, as far as I'm concerned, only lost one fight to a lightweight uh Jalen Turner. I think he was severely underestimated going into that spot. Uh Josh Kulibau had nothing to lose. Um, and uh, yeah, he did get dropped in the first round and he does get hurt at times. But I think that in this particular matchup against a guy like Rojo, the experienced man could could really shine out here. I mean, he's been in there with the likes of Des Green, Andre Feely, uh, I mean, and had good and good fights with him. I mean, it wasn't like He uh, got completely whooped on. I just think that Kulabao got severely underestimated in that fight because he got absolutely smashed by Jalen Turner. I mean, that was a a very one-sided ass-whooping between Turner. And I think people just assume that Kulabao was a jobber. Now, this guy Rojo, he's all right. But, like, there's nothing special about this guy, (laughs) man. I think that, uh, you know, he's a tough Argentinian. You know, he, he comes to bang. His ground game definitely isn't the best. He struggled on the mat several times in his career, but I think that the experience is gonna show here for Jordan, man. He's been in there so many times. He's been in there freak frequently as well. And I think these rounds at some point are gonna pay off. I'm not saying that the kid's gonna be top 20, top 25, top 30, but I, I see him being one of the Canadian featherweights. He has a very exciting style, but more importantly, I think he's gonna overwhelm Marcelo Rojo with the volume in the late rounds, you know, with his little cute flying knees and his in his uh, in his jump kicks. I think that in the last fight, he, he overwhelmed Kulabau. He just got off to a very bad start. But like I said, I think Kulabau was severely underestimated. Um, I think he's going to overwhelm Marcelo Rojo in rounds two and three. Maybe the first one is kind of close. He does kind of shell up a little bit. But I just think there's levels to this, and I think that the experience is going to show. So I'm going with uh, Air Jordan to get the win.
0: You know, I got to say that Marcelo Rojo lucked out. I mean, listen, he might still lose this fight, but, like, you know who his original uh, debut opponent was supposed to be? It was supposed to be a uh, future top five guy and potential future title challenger, Hayoni Barcelos. And that would have been a one takedown, and the fight is over shortly after. Because the biggest weakness has historically been for Rojo um, on the mat, you know, most of his losses... All of his losses, or actually most of his losses, are uh, via submission, at least the last four since 2014, all via submission. So Hione was going to have a field day with the guy. Here it's a little bit different because Air Jordan's never, you've never landed a takedown, let alone shot a takedown in his entire UFC career. So, you know, the, the thing with these Latin warriors is that they come to fight. They got the fighting spirit. It's just their takedown defense isn't up to par. Like, well, that's what we've learned over the years. But that's not really going to be an issue here. So I actually think while although the experience has to go to Jordan and maybe the all around game has to go to Jordan, I think this fight might play out a little bit closer, man. I Like, I'm worried about what happens if Jordan starts getting touched a little bit, you know, if I mean, because like, dude, i don't think cool about was anything special either i get it he fought jalen turner like that's like yeah he had no business in there with him but even prior to that i wasn't exactly thinking like this is some stud prospect and not that i'm saying that about rojo either but what i am saying is that this fight might play out closer than the line indicates i will side with jordan i think he is the rightful favorite but um i don't know man that tko regional scene is kind of sketchy man um I'm just I'm just not too sold on Jordan, so let's see what happens. He's minus two fifty. That's why I'm talking like that. So let's see. Uh, I'll pick him via close decision here. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a rebooking between Angela Hill. She's twelve and nine, and Ashley Yoder is eight and six. Currently, they got Angela Hill minus four hundred. The comeback on Ashley Yoder's plus three hundred shaq uh, you ready uh to lay minus 400 on angela hill and have her cry robbery again
1: no not at all man um look she already won this fight before uh just too much of a heavy favorite but yeah she's the better fighter more volume um three rounds should be should be better for her coming off the five the five round fight against karate hadi i think that she is overrated though And Yoder has a losing record but you know it's not like she she goes to split decision a lot man so she went to split with McKenzie. She went to split with Marcos. Uh, you know some other girls. So I mean, she is in some of these fights, and I do think she's getting a little better. But ultimately, it, Hill will probably scrape out a decision and and you know just slightly win the rounds. But I think Angela Hill is severely overrated. I don't think she's as improved as everyone uh, claims that she is. And I think that this uh, seven fight
0: win streak is a is a bit
1: delusional. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pick her to get the decision win.
0: Yeah, I mean the fact that Angela Hill says. Like has the audacity to say that she beat Yan Xiaonan? Really? Like, okay, saying you beat Claudia Gadelia, even though I know that's not true, even though Shaq knows that's not true. I mean, Claudia won the first round, Angelo won the second round, Claudia won the third round. That's twenty nine, twenty eight. Claudia. If you really want to hang on to that one, all right, fine, take it. But to act like you beat Yan Xiaonan, like, like what? So. Listen, we all think Angela probably wins this fight. She's minus 400 for a reason, this and that. But you cannot lay minus 400 on Angela Hill. She cannot be trusted. All her fights are too close. Now, I think this is going to be a spot where she wins the split decision and Ashley probably cries robbery. But again, if Ashley gets on top of uh, Angela Hill, are you going to be surprised if you know if she comes out here and submits her? I'm not going to be surprised. But at the end of the day, I've seen them fight before. I saw Ashley land three takedowns on her in that fight. And Angela was able to deal with it. So I'm going to roll with the person that won the first fight. I'm going to go with Angela Hill, but like, uh, proceed with caution when you see a minus 400 line on a 12 and nine fighter, period. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Eric, your boy Anders. He's 13 and five, and Darren, the dentist, Stewart is 12 and six. Currently, they got Darren Stewart minus 175. The comeback on Eric, your boy, is plus 155. So. This is an interesting fight, Shaq, because Darren Stewart, we know he hits very hard, sometimes underperforms a little bit, but oftentimes when you don't expect him to, he'll come out here and he'll surprise some people. Now, I do have to say the fights where he surprised people were kind of losses, you know, against Edmund Shabazian and against Kevin Holland, but still to go to, you know, split decisions with guys like that, uh, not not a bad look at all. With Eric Anders, it's definitely been hit or miss, but I got to tell you what. He did the right thing for this camp Uh, because we were saying, like, dude, that camp in Alabama, you and Walt Harris are like the only guys there. Like, can we like please like get out of there? Um, You know, and now he went to fight ready, which, you know, about fight ready, you know, you know, about Triple C, Henry Cejudo, you know, about the Bellator champ champ, Patricio Pitbull. You know exactly what these guys at fight ready have been doing for their athletes. You, do you think it'll make any difference whatsoever here with how Eric fights? Because we know Eric's in amazing shape, and we know he's been putting in the work. But in the actual fight, you think now he's going to let it go, or are we still going to see the low, the low output of Anders?
1: Yeah, I definitely think he made a good move. i I mean, uh, fight ready is, is one of those few gyms that you know when I hear people move to, I actually do take into account unlike some other places, but um Darren Stewart, look, he has been performing better 100%. It's just one of those things from a betting perspective, man. I just still cannot trust him out of, you know, laying that much juice. I, I think that he has been performing better, but at the same time, I feel like his skill set is honestly not that much better than Eric's. I think, yeah, he, he's been landing a little more, but I think that Eric has kind of just been – uh what's the word just I don't want to say misled but we'll see I it's one of those things where I need to see I want to see it first before I make a judgment on Eric Anders I know he's at this uh, at this new camp but I also think there's a chance that he just doesn't have it and and I've been thinking that way uh for a while. quite honestly for a while man since like he fought Khalil Roundtree um even back when he fought Elias Theodoro but maybe can, maybe they can fix the volume thing, but more so on Darren Stewart. I think that the narrative that this Kevin Holland fight, look, he did win the last round, but I thought the first two rounds, he hesitated. And I feel like he makes a bad habit. Um, the first two rounds kind of similar, like the, the Shabazian fight where he really didn't do much. And then he you know, he definitely won the last round, but then he wants to, to cry robbery. Um, And the Mackie Patolo fight, I honestly didn't think he looked that good in that fight either. And I think you know, Mackey is kind of a quitter and just kind of you know just puts his uh, head in chokes and gets choked out a lot, man. So um, I, look, I'm a pick Darren Stewart, but it's a reluctant pin. I think he could possibly be a sketchy chalk. uh Not that I've never uh, been high on him. It's just he's. I mean, let's not let's not forget about that Bartos Fabinski fight. I know it's a it's a you know a different matchup. Fabinsky likes to, to dive on the legs, but just that he. I feel like. On the given day, he can be a very uh, mid-tier, low-caliber fighter um, if he's not focused. But look, Eric Anders—it hasn't been looking too good, man. Because the last fight against Kristoff, I—I do think that was a bad matchup. I think I was on the record to say that I think Eric Anders is the uh, tailor-made opponent for Kristoff Jaco to breakdance against, just because of the, uh, just because of the hesitation issue. But. Uh, Christoph Jocko is a little higher level than, than Darren Stewart, in my opinion. I mean, he was in the top 15 at one point. Um, It's just bad when Christoph Jocko is, is telling you, uh, come on, let's fight. You know, that's, uh, I felt like Eric Anders was uh, honestly the one trying to stall, but you know, we'll see what happens. I think it's a dog or pass situation. So Um, I'm a pick Stewart by split close decision, but uh, we'll we'll see if Anders makes these improvements, but it's one of those things I want to see first, because as of right now, I have not been impressed, and and I haven't been impressed for a while.
0: No, I feel you on that. Um, you know, I, I do, I, I do think that a lot of the guys that give him the most problems are kind of, you know, point fighters like Jocko, like Machida, like Elias, uh, guys that are kind of going to run away from him. Now, I know, I know he lost to Tiago and Khalil. He also took down Tiago six times in that fight. I mean, that was he took that fight on Monday of fight week. It was a week short notice. So my my issue here with Darren Stewart is the price. Like I do think that he has shown, you know, slightly better stuff recently than Anders. Um, it's just do you really trust him at this price? Cause like when we really review all the fights, uh, like like basically he is what we call a hit or miss fighter, Darren Stewart is. Because on one night, he can knock out uh Frantimar Bajos in the first round. Then you match them up again and he'll literally lay an egg and lose a decision and yeah okay that was 2016 2017 but can we all agree that at any point in darren stewart's career he's always going to be the more athletic and faster guy than francis Mar Barroso, no matter the occasion so basically what i'm trying to say is that one night he can come out he can knock you out he can look amazing the next night he can lay an egg you watch uh the fight against charles bird charles bird was arguably winning the first seven minutes of that fight you watch the bevon fight that Bavon didn't fight so a lot of these fights are like it's not even that you know darren stewart's blowing you away with what he's doing it's more like the opponents are making big mistakes like i thought mackie patola was kind of touching him up kind of like he did to marquez and then he shot head first uh into a guillotine and that's not to discredit stewart i know he's making improvements i know he's in his best form I just still don't really trust him that much. And not that I trust Anders either, but we're not dealing with a 50-50 pick. And we're doing a plus 160 with Anders. Um, And I think that there are paths to victory. I mean, he got six takedowns against Tiago Majeda Santos. We know that, you know, no offense to our our people uh, in the UK, but we know that UK wrestling is not on par with that USA wrestling. I would not be surprised if... Eric could steal a couple rounds with takedowns here, maybe pinch, uh, cl- uh, clinch him up against the fence. He's got to watch out for those elbows if he does that. Look, 50-50 fight, I'm taking Stewart, but at this line, I think it's dog a pass, and, and I'll actually go with Eric, your boy Anders, uh, to, to kind of edge out a very close decision where Darren Stewart underperforms. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Mateus Nicolau. He's 15-2, and Manel Cap is 15-5. Currently, they got Manel Cap minus 130, the comeback on Mateus Nikolaus plus 110. Mateus is back in the UFC, man. You know, he should have never been released. But, you know, we had a really boring champion named Demetrius Johnson who made zero efforts to make the flyweight division great. You know, do you remember when Demetrius Johnson was champ and Dana White was like, hey, I know that we created a reality show around you. I know that even that didn't get much attention. How about we do a champ versus champ matchup? You, the the flyweight champion versus TJ Dillashaw, the bantamweight champion. And let's promote the flyweight division that way. And DJ was like, I don't want to fight TJ Dillashaw. I want to fight Ray Borg. And Dana was like, you want Ray Borg? We'll give you Ray Borg. And, you know, that was around the time they got rid of the flyweight division. You know, they got rid of, great guys like Mateus Nicolau who we were like dude off one loss like this guy's a serious prospect but now thank God for Henry Cejudo and Davison and making the flyweight division great again bringing that excitement and that violence back to 125 pounds because now we got Mateus Nicolau back now we got guys like Manel Cap now we got Howley and Paiva now we got Jimmy Flick all these awesome prospects at flyweight so I'm glad to see Mateus uh, Nicolau back so Shaq I got to tell you something that Manel Capp said in his interview. So you remember how he was fighting uh, in Japan. They get to wear tennis shoes. You know, the refs has got an earpiece the whole bit. So he said the reason he lost to Pantoja is because he sweats a lot from his feet. And that, man, he was slipping all over the place. And I'm thinking to myself, like, hey, Manel, this ain't Japan where you can wear tennis shoes anymore. So... He's he's still getting used to that UFC's octagon. Mateus Nicolau has been there and done that. I know Mateus his chin might be in question. You know it was shin the chin against Dustin Ortiz. So I mean a clean high kick can knock any can rock anyone. But he was knocked out a couple years prior. But that being said, Manel Cap he's got pretty damn good boxing for MMA. He hits hard. I think his dad might even be a former professional boxer. But Mateus Nicolau is a more well-rounded guy. Mateus Nicolau also has good boxing. Mateus Nicolau is 100% takedown defense. And then when you talk about his jujitsu, jitsu that's night and day. Like, this could be a one-back take and the fight is over uh, shortly after situation. The biggest concern and why the line is close is because Mateus does not have the best chin. If Mateus had an incredible chin, I think he could be a world champion. But, you know, everybody's got their weakness. But that being said, Jack, if Mateus does not get caught here... I think he's winning this fight. So I'm going to go with the underdog, Mateus Nicolau. Don't get knocked out and you win this fight, Shaq. So I'm going to go with Mateus. Yeah, yeah, you're muted, bro.
1: Yeah, I I agree to an extent. I think Mateus is the more well-rounded fighter. My concern is, you know, you referring to that Ortiz fight, I don't think it was a clean head kick. I mean, he kind of blocked it. And uh, and he still got knocked out. Is it? That's my only concern. It's like you know he got knocked out by Pedro Nobre as well, viciously. Um, and like I said, I don't think it was a. a I mean, it, it looked blocked to me, and he still got knocked out unconscious. So um, I, I'm 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 a little concerned about that chin. That's my only worry. Uh, I like the jiu-jitsu, the wrestling, like you said, the boxing, the left hook, all that good stuff. Manel Cape, I, I think that he. His antics play into his fighting way too much. I think that uh he gets very emotional. Um he, he's taken losses to guys like um uh, uh what's the uh, Sasaki, um another another Japanese guy. He he did avenge him in the rematch, but you know, Manel Cape, I think there's a chance that he could be overrated. Now I know he fought very somewhat close with Pantoja, but I honestly thought it was a weasel attempt that just honestly <laughs> like it didn't work out too well. Uh, I thought Pantoja clearly won the fight. I thought uh, Manel Cape had his opportunities, um, and he did have some good counter striking, some good counters off the low kick, so Mateus needs to be careful. Um, But, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, you could make a case of Mateus being the the favorite here, but at the same time, I also think there's a chance that the value on Mateus is gone at this point. He is a popular underdog this week. Uh, Manel Cape, is this the right time to fade him? He did just go... He fought very respectably against what's Pantoja, the number three, four guy in the world. Um, so he he is high level, you know what I'm saying? Um and Mateus' last two fights, he really hasn't been challenged much. He should be fresh. Um I'm gonna pick Mateus as well, but man, uh we'll see what happens. It, it, it could be a good fight. That chin is that chin is definitely a concern. Um Dustin Ortiz, how many knockouts does he have? The only guys I know he knocked out was Sandoval and Mateus. Who else? Um It's probably it, off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah, so uh, that, that was a little alarming to me, and I thought he blocked the kick, so we'll see. Um, I'll go with Mateus as well, though, but it's uh, I'm, I'm going to sit back and enjoy that one.
0: It was like a one-handed block where if this is the—it was ba-boom, <laughs> so I don't know. If he blocked it with two hands and got knocked out, then—I mean, look, we know he's chinning. That, that's, that's without a question, but I mean— one-handed block on a head kick i don't hold that against him however i am worried about one of these hooks landing on that chin because you know what'll happen Shaq. so let's see but you also saw cape trying to go for takedowns on pantoja we we know we know nick lock and stuff
1: also one thing i wanted to say man i've seen cape wobbled several times on that japanese scene as well by uh by japanese guys with shoes on so um i i think uh he is a little overrated but i going into the pantoja fight i thought he was overrated but i thought uh he fought you know he showed hey he's a, he's a solid top you know 15 guy uh you know it wasn't like he got his ass whooped. very competitive three round fight you know
0: for sure before we talk about these last four fights do us a favor hit that like button hit that subscribe appreciate it now shaq Next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Jonathan Martinez. He's 13-3. And And Davey Grant, the ultimate fighter finalist, is 10-4. Currently, they got Johnny Martinez, minus 300. The comeback on Davey Grant is plus 230. So I got to say Martinez has definitely come a long way. He's impressed me a lot. He's putting on size. He's got devastating kicks. And the biggest criticism I had for him you know, for a lot of people is the takedown defense, but I think he's got a, a decent getup game. But I had criticism about his hands. I thought that, look, he's very kick heavy. I love his kicks. I wasn't sure about his hands. You saw that fight against Tomas Almeida. He was jabbing. I mean, he was kicking him up, too, but he was jabbing Tomas Almeida. No problem. I think his hands are improving. I think all areas of his game are improving. But he's taking on a very experienced guy in uh, Davy Grant, a guy who's got a win over Marlon Vera. Now, granted, it was Ecuador Marlon Vera, not USA Marlon Vera, but he still beat him. He's been in he's been in the tough house. He made it to the finals he's on a two fight win streak. Shaq, uh, what do you think, man? You think uh, Johnny Martinez rolls here?
1: Yeah, Martinez. Honestly, I feel like he's on a on a win streak here. I think he won the wolf fight. I, I disagreed with that decision, so. Martinez has been doing this thing. Um, Tomas Almeida is definitely not the same guy that he once was. Um, but Martinez handled him very accordingly, man. He he dominated that fight. Um, I think Davy Grant, look, I think that there is a chance that, you know, this is the best form of his career. This is probably his last run at things. He's very motivated, a very vicious knockout win over Martin Day as an underdog. I think he was the underdog to pop off as well. But Martin Day and Popov suck, (laughs) you know. So I think uh, they're both not in the UFC, right? Or yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh,
0: I hear my boy uh, Martin Day's in talks with the NFC right now. uh,
1: Hey, that'd be nice. We'd love to have Martin. But uh, I think that uh, those guys are not UFC level that he beat. And Jonathan Martinez clearly is. Martinez has paid his dues. He he's been even though he the the wool fight. Uh, from what I understand, he actually received a, a win bonus from that fight. So if you if Dana White gives you a win bonus, that means you won that fight. So I think uh, he's gonna come in here. Davy Grant's gonna look to wrestle. I, I think he is one of the. You know, like we did say earlier, the U.K. guys might not be the best at wrestling, but I'll give David Grant some some credit. He is one of the U.K. guys that will shoot in, shoot in on that double and and uh, do his thing and get some takedowns and hug and grind and and do his thing that way. Um, But I just think Martinez, man, has finally like covered in some of these holes in this game. You know, not to mention Martinez comes from the same home gym as my boy El Guapo. That's where he gets those kick, those kicks from. Uh, They come from the same home gym in Texas. And they're both out in uh, Factory X now, so that's why they're such expert kickers, man. Whoever taught them how to kick, uh, that guy needs to come forward. So I think uh, he's gonna catch Davy Grant at some point, whether it be a left high kick, a straight. Um, I expect Davy Grant to fight tough. I mean, he's thirty-five. This is it for him. Every fight right now is it for him. I'm sure he's he's very confident after that knockout uh, knockout win. But I'm gonna go with Martinez, just being the younger. Uh, not necessarily hungrier, but just Davy Grant. We've seen that when when you really press him and you really make him stand up, he will he will get floored. Even Martin Day dropped him in that fight, uh, in his last fight. So I think that Martinez will drop him, and when he does, I think he'll uh, get him out of there or just control him for a decision win.
0: So one thing that I haven't heard too many people talk about is that Davy Grant is coming off a broken jaw um, in his last fight. Uh, so you already know. I think the last guy that or one of the last guys that you want to make your return against to kind of test how how your jaw and your durability is doing is Johnny Martinez. Like, I, I'd want him to take a tune up fight before, you know, you know, off the broken jaw. So I'm worried about him in that respect. He also did get dropped by Martin Day a fight prior. He got dropped by Manny Bermudez. He went to a split with Popov. So he, I respect Davy Grant. Very tough guy. I remember watching him on the Ultimate Fighter. But. You know, there's almost a 10-year age gap in this fight. I just got to go with the younger guy, the hungrier guy, the faster, more dynamic, and honestly, the better guy. So I think Johnny Martinez has business in the top 15. Let's get past this fight. One more, and then he's right up there. So I'm going to go with Jonathan Martinez via uh, maybe a knockout here, but if it goes to the scorecards, I got him as well. So let's see. Now moving up to the featherweight division, we got the featured bout between Dan Ige, he's fourteen and three, and Gavin Tucker's thirteen and one. Currently, they got Dan Ige minus one fifty-five. They come back on Gavin Tucker's plus one thirty-five. So. You know, I'm trying to figure out what was this Rick Glenn fight just simply first L time? Was it kind of an anomaly because he's been back in there? And granted, the level of competition hasn't been that great, but like he's been handling these guys nicely. And in that fight with Billy Q, I know Billy Q might not be on Danny. level, but Billy Q has a lot of similar qualities to Rick Glenn where like he can take your best shot. He'll keep coming forward the entire time. And Tucker didn't break, man. Tucker's in his prime right now. He's like 34, 35 years old. He's a serious black belt. His striking is on point. His cardio, his output, everything seems to be getting better. But Shaq, this is the biggest step up in competition he's ever had in his entire career. You think he's ready to pass this test?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this fight because Gavin, like you said, he's rebounded nicely from the Rig fight. And I think that was just a. A, a typical case of the vet lesson, you know. Uh, sometimes these kids get carried away, and I remember how Gavin was talking talking on that fight week. I mean, it was almost as if Rick Lynn didn't exist, you know. And a lot of young guys, you know, they make that mistake. Uh, you remember when uh, O'Day Osborne fought Brian Kelleher? Or, <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time, man. Um, they just they get caught up in the whole shenanigans of things, and they, uh and they and they pay the price, man. So, man, Gavin Tucker's impressed me these last three fights. He beat Justin James. You know, Justin James is definitely not UFC level, but he handled him accordingly. Uh, Sung Woo Choi and Billy Q. And the Billy Q. fight, what I liked the most was the pace. I think just the volume that Billy Q. was coming at him with. I liked the way he de- dealt with it. He sh- he uh, clinched him when it was necessary. Took him down when it was necessary. Boxed him up. Landed some head kicks, and it was impressive because he's a shorter guy. You don't really see shorter shorter featherweights, landing head kicks, especially against guys like Billy Q, who's like, what, six foot or close to it, gotta be, right, so, um, it, Gavin Tucker has impressed me, Dan Ige is a guy, he kind of always exceeds my expectations a little bit, I always think that he's probably gonna get beat up like the Edson Barbosa fight, even though I th- still think he lost that fight, um, look, he is tough, he's got a very good coaching staff with, uh, Nick Sick and some other guy, I forget his corner man, um, some Hawaiian dude that's always with him. They they corner him very well in these fights. They give him, he's got good IQ. And it, it, I think it honestly makes up for the skill gap because I think in a lot of these fights, he honestly, I don't want to say he's the lesser skilled fighter, but he just finds a way to make it work. Um, and he, he's a dog and he kind of expo- explodes into these big left hooks and um, his volume is low, but when he goes, it's very hard. And he has drop guys and you got to be concerned because Gavin Tucker... You know, If there's one weakness kind of similar to Mateus Nikolaou, he is uh, he is chinny, and he will wobble. That's 100%. There's no denying that. So I think that Dan Ige, uh, his volume is very low. He has struggled with lefties in the past, whether it be Arce. Um, I know you remember that Julio Arce fight uh, in his UFC debut. And I've never really truly considered Dan Ige as a top 15 guy. And when you look at the at the, the price of things. Um, and you look at his fight with Calvin Katar, uh, the five round fight that he just has. There's a chance he, he grew from that, but man, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to judge that fight. It's either is Ige really that good, but personally, man, I thought Calvin Katar underperformed, man. So we'll see what happens. I think this is now or never for Tucker. I think that, I mean, it's a good recipe. I mean, he's 34, 35. He's in the prime of his career. He's on this win streak. He's the underdog. It's a good price. He was a good price the last time against Billy Q. So that's probably the side I'm leaning towards. I feel like Ige had a good run, but I I just always felt that he was kind of overachieving and that it it would kind of come back down to reality at some point. Um, But we'll see, man. Ige is a very tough guy. I just think that Gavin Tucker has the better skill set, more volume, um, better grappling, positioning. You know, he doesn't find himself on the bottom too much. I've seen Ige at times go to his back and fights against Griffin and Mursad beckdick and and some of these other guys. So I think that Gavin Tucker can capitalize and get the win.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think that I've been, you know, wrongly critical of uh, of Gavin Tucker, you know, in the past. And maybe a lot of it has to do with that Rick Len fight. I thought that, you know, if you get past uh, – Gavin Tucker's early volume and movement—if you can just get to him and chip away at him—I thought that he could be broken. Um, I'm still not sure what happened, but I what I do know is he took two years off. He's come back. He looks—he in, looks incredible, man. He's a black belt in jujitsu. He's got great footwork, awesome volume. His cardio is on point. Dana said this guy might be a top 15 guy, so that makes me think that you know he's been talking with the matchmakers. They know what they're looking at uh, with Ige. He got to the spot he's in with heart, man, and you got to respect that he's a true Hawaiian warrior because, I mean, I can't sit here and say that, you know, his kickboxing is unbelievable or his wrestling is amazing or is he's just a tough, solid guy. Um, obviously, you know, if he gets on top of you and you're hurt. He can finish the fight. One thing I like about Tucker, though, in that Jane's fight. Now I know Jane's. We might think what we think about Jane's, but Jane's does hit hard. He's got a bunch of first round knockouts. Jane's actually dropped Tucker, and Tucker ends up that that same round that he got dropped in a submission attempt. Had there been more time on the clock, he might have got it actually, uh, locked in arm triangle. So he can overcome adversity. He's in his prime right now. He's got Faraz with him. He's training with the right people. This might be the recipe for an upset. Actually, um, it's just really what I think is. Tucker should be favored here, and Ege' his chance to win is landing one of those big bombs on the chin of Tucker. We've seen Tucker get dropped more than once, so maybe that's the spot that you know Ige wins. It's just the minutes, at least the first half of this fight, all the minutes are going to be won by Tucker. It's just can Ege have that one big fight-changing moment where he swings the momentum in his direction? That, that, that's the big question here, but at these odds, I think it's Tucker passing. I will take Tucker to win this fight co main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division we got Misha Sarkunov he's 15 and 5 and Ryan Span is 18 and 6 currently they got Misha Sarkunov minus 130 the comeback on Ryan Span is plus 110 uh Shaq I don't really trust either of these guys to be honest with you I like them both both very entertaining I have a feeling someone's getting finished in this fight probably doesn't go past the first round uh, it's just uh who you got
1: yeah, you know Ryan Spanner's last two fights definitely haven't been a good look. He, he, the Sam Alvey fight, you would think he would win that fight by a bigger margin. I think it was the first fo- the first COVID card, short notice, but then the follow up performance against Johnny Walker, almost having him knocked out a couple times, and then he did that. Uh, you know I like to call it his quit position, where he uh, he goes against the fence and he gets elbowed in the in on the on the ear, and then he gets knocked out. He's done that multiple times, and he's been. Wobbled several times throughout his uh, throughout his career, man. I mean, he's had his his fair share of stunts. So I, I look one hundred percent. I understand the logic of fading Ryan Spann one hundred percent. The issue here I have with the Serkinov fight is not with Serkinov. You know, I think uh, Serkinov had a good you know a nice little win um, against Jimmy Crude, a, a submission win. You know, definitely don't see that submission here. But I. I I don't. In terms of the the positioning, the scrambling, I think that there's a chance Ryan Spann has, has better jujitsu than um, than Jimmy Crude and and just better. He doesn't get reversed like that, you know. I think him and Jimmy Crude rushed it. It was a sloppy fight, man. They just came out, started, you know, going on the ground back and forth. I think Jimmy Crude had him a couple shots away from getting out of there, and it's one of those things where Misha Serkinov, in my opinion, hasn't really shown me anything impressive. In a very long time, man. Um, I, I'm not. I wasn't impressed by the Jimmy crew fight. I think that Jimmy Crude is going to turn out to be the better fighter. Um, it's just he had to. Take, he was 20, very young and in, in, in green in that in that fight, and it, and it showed. Um, I think Ryan Span. The only issue here is just the, these little, you know, questionable big blunders, which I understand 100. But in terms of speed, power physicalness, man, he has shown me more, I mean, he actually came out and floored Johnny Walker, even though he got knocked out, there, there's more, I feel like there's more there, I feel like this is a trap, man, I wouldn't fade Ryan Spann with Misha Serkinov, somebody else maybe, but Misha Serkinov's a guy, he's very stiff, he doesn't throw multiple shots, you can see his shots coming in, and and he's very stiffy, He can time him for big shots down the middle, um, We'll see what happens. I'm not saying Ryan Span is, is some some tough warrior or anything like that, but I think that this is a trap, man. I think Span's gonna come out here and knock Misha Sirkinov out, man. I think that uh, in certain fights he can he can do good, and and a, and a stationary target like Sirkinov, I, I see that happening, and I think he knocks Serkanov out in, in the first round. So I'm going with Ryan Span.
0: Yeah, I mean the issue with Span is he's been knocked out three times the exact same way. On takedown attempts with those Travis Brown elbows, three times the exact same way against Carl Roberson, uh, against Johnny Walker, and then against someone else early on in his career. Like, that's crazy that he hasn't fixed that yet. So, but aside from that, look, I know his chin is super suspect, even in fights that he won, like against Alex Nicholson. um, Man, like he was almost done, and then he comes back to win that fight but you hear what I said. He came back to win that fight. Coming back to win a fight is a quality that Misha Serkunov does not possess. You put Misha Serkunov in one bad spot, one bad spot, and the fight is it's it's guaranteed over. I mean, that crew fight was guaranteed over, but Kroot lost his mind. He was 22 years old. He got swept, and he got choked out. I just see someone with 24 pro fights in Ryan's band having so much more experience than Kroot. Now, granted, if Kroot and Ryan fight, I, you know, I got crew, but back then crew was so inexperienced. Ryan is experienced. So basically Ryan's only been submitted one time in 24 fights and you, you know, who was against, right? Robert Drysdale. And for those that don't know, is one of the best jujitsu practitioners on planet earth. So there's really, it's like getting choked out by Rafael Lovato, you know, like Kevin Holland did back in the day. There's there's no shame in that. I, I just don't trust uh, Misha Serkunov, especially at chalk at all. Like just cause he, you know, Came back from the jaws of defeat against Krupp because Krupp pulled an epic stunt. Doesn't mean we can forget about what happened when he fought Glover Teixeira. Doesn't mean we can forget about what happened when he fought Volcan Uzdamir. Doesn't mean we can forget about what happened when he fought Johnny Walker. So I agree with you. I thought I was going to be the only one on Span here. And it's reluctant because I don't trust Span either. I mean, that against Alvi, who's the biggest favorite on the car, he's walking out like he already won the fight. And he almost did win the fight in the first round, but then it got really sketchy. It's just I question what happens when Misha Serkunov can't get a first round finish. Um, You know, he's got a good resume, though. You know, uh, Serkunov's got wins over Krylov and Kutalaba, so he's beat some real guys before. And it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if either guy got finished. But since I think this is a coin flip fight, I'll go with the dog. I'll go with Ryan Span here uh, to get it done. Main event of the evening, Shaq. We got the number three welterweight on planet Earth, Leon Edwards. He's eighteen and three. He's taking on Bilal Muhammad, the number thirteen ranked, who's also eighteen and three. Currently, they got Leon Edwards minus two hundred and sixty. The comeback on Bilal Muhammad is plus two hundred and twenty. So, you guys know I'm a little biased towards Bilal here. I mean, I had this kid on the show before he was even in the UFC, and you know, it's turned out to be a you know a, a friend of the show. And I also love his coach, Lewis Taylor, who unfortunately won't be in his corner this weekend, but instead he's going to have Fordist MMA head coach, safe Sayoud there. So that that's good. Um, Leon Edwards got a lot of respect for him. He's on a huge win streak. He's a very surgical and tactical striker. I remember even before his, his UFC run back in Bama, the kind of hype he had, the kind of things he was doing the guy. So I, I've, I bet on Leon Edwards in his UFC debut against Claudio Silva and lost, and then I bet him the next fight against Seth Bozinski, the next one against Powell Pollack, so I'm very familiar with Leon Edwards, I've been a fan for a long time, and ever since his loss to Kamara Usman, he actually went to the States, started training at AKA, and now shaq and i used to joke around about i know it's been a while since we made this joke because he hasn't fought in like two years but we used to joke around how leon edwards is uh, britain's premier d1 wrestler because he's coming out here and wrestling against guys and it's really awesome to watch so i think leon edwards is a fantastic fighter um i'm gonna make the case for Bilal. everybody's gonna make the case for leon you can hear that anywhere else i mean but let, let me let me be the guy that makes the case for Bilal. i think that Bilal pushes the kind of pace that, you know, when, you, when you're when you coming off a two-year layoff and, you know, you kind of want to get your feet wet, you want to get your timing, you want to kind of ease into the fight, Bilal's the wrong guy for that kind of fight. I think Bilal's going to get right in his face, is going to immediately... Get him in the clinch and i do think Bilal is going to land some takedowns in this fight i mean i saw Gunnar nelson take down leon edwards and full mount him i saw brian Barberena drop leon edwards so despite leon edwards being on this big win streak there are holes in this in his game and yeah there's holes in Bilal muhammad's game too but he's the plus 220 dog here so obviously i'm worried at space you know leon's got the reach advantage he's got the height he's got those nice straight punches he's got great elbows off the clinch breaks so, yeah, I'm worried about Bilal getting clipped, and Bilal will get clipped. I mean, Bilal, with Bilal's style of getting in your face and making it a dirty fight, he's going to get clipped no matter what. However, that being said, I think he's got the cardio to eat those shots, and one thing I heard Bilal say that I think is fascinating um, is that he wants to have the output of Max Holloway, like the output Max Holloway showed against Calvin Cater, but he also wants to you know, have at least 10 takedown attempts per fight as well. So he's been upping his cardio and his conditioning to that next level so that he can implement that kind of style because he wants to be a champion. So it's funny because a couple of years back, people were saying he should drop the 55s. Now he's put on a little size. You know, he might be a shorter guy, but I think I think we're seeing something nice with Bilal Muhammad here. And if he doesn't get dropped, if he doesn't, you know, have a big fight changing moment against him, I think he actually controls you know, enough of this fight to win three rounds. I think he can come out here get a decision and get the biggest win of his career. I think out of all the guys in the top five, this is actually one of the more winnable matchups for uh, Bilal because the, the, the presence of danger isn't quite there as much with Leon Edwards as it is with say, you know, some of these other guys. So I'm going to go with Bilal Muhammad to get the biggest win of his career, get the upset and uh, move into, uh, you know, the top 10 or maybe even the top five, depending where they want to rank him. I got Bilal Muhammad for the upset. Yeah, personally,
1: I don't think Leon Edwards is as good as advertised. Not saying that he's not good. I just don't think he's as good as advertised. Um, he hasn't fought in a while. The Dosanos win was his last fight, and he got the, he, you know, he got the thirds of, of Dos Anjos. He got it after Covington, after Usman had already put Dosano's through the ringer, man, Um, so I think there's a little steam, and I think he's just, he comes off as a very entitled guy, you know, this whole deserves, like, guys, these guys be one former champ, and they they start making title demands, it's crazy, I think that Leon Edwards doesn't deserve anything, man, I think that, (laughs) uh, look, we'll see how he performs tonight, but his performances have not, have not, like, in terms of clear-cut number one contender. I look maybe say he's next in line because Co- Covington and Burns and all these guys have already fought him, uh, Usman recently. But in terms of you know his resume, man, it's a it's a little overrated, inflate slash inflated to me. Um, I think that you know he beat Vicente Luque, but uh, Vicente Luque, we know. He, he, I mean, I like Vicente Luque, but. We you know, he's probably never going to be in the championship title picture. Um, like you mentioned, the Brian Barberino fights in the past. So I think that, yeah, this could be a good situation for him just because he's not coming from a layoff to fight a, a top five guy like Covington or Burns or something like that. It, it could it, it could be a good situation. He's fighting um, the number, what, 13, 14 guys somewhere in that range. So. I, look, I'm going to pick Leon to get the win. I think he's the better fighter, especially out in space. Bilal doesn't move his head sometimes, and uh he, he gets sniped at range. Uh, kind of similar to the Jeff Neal fight, I could see something, something uh, similar happening. But at the same time, from a betting perspective, it, it's hard to trust Leon with all the factors going against him. I feel like he's a little bit too comfortable. But hey, he's on this on this serious win streak, so he maybe he deserves to feel that way. But I want to see Leon. I want to see what he does because if he's losing rounds to Bilal Muhammad, I don't want to hear none of this title this title uh, talk stuff, man. I think that uh, that he be, he needs to beat a relevant uh, 170 or so. We'll we'll see what Bilal Muhammad, um, but yeah, he's gonna be my pick to win. But Muhammad, man, he's one of the tougher guys in that division. Very durable, comes forward, mixes it up very nicely. His parries are top notch, in my opinion. Um, and Leon Edwards, you remember that Gunnar Nelson fight, Dan? I mean, I remember in the third round, he he started to he started to look for ways out. I remember in the Barb and Brian Barb uh, and Brian Barbarino fight, he was doing you know chicken dances. And what his other wins? What it was his win over Cowboy Cerrone all that impressive? I mean, from what I remember, Cerrone was winning rounds. The the last couple of rounds, I was like, I mean, he's good, but he ain't you know all that. And and let's be honest here, like. For the for the Leon homers, like, y'all really think he can beat Usman? Like, we already saw how that fight went. Like, hey, but to each his own, give him, let's give him another chance, and uh and we'll see. But I'm, I'll go with Leon, but I think it's a dog or pass situation.
0: I mean, all three of the judges scored two of the rounds for Cowboy. Like, it was 48-47 across the board. There wasn't a single 50-45 or 49-46 yeah, in there.
1: Like I was saying, the Gunnar Nelson fight, the Cerrone fight, um... He definitely pulled out two nice ones with Tomenov and, and Luke, but those are, you know, middle, bottom half of the top 15 type of guys. Um, I'm not convinced this guy's a clear-cut top contender like everyone says, but uh, he's got the opportunity to show us on Saturday. If, he, if, he's, if he's struggling, squeaking out rounds against Bilal Muhammad, look, don't even put him in there with Usman.
0: <laughs> we'll put him in there with with uh Chimayev when he recovers you know what i'm saying
1: i love the Chimaev fight
0: <laughs> yeah i do as well um someone in the comments says something about well what about Bilal's calves because you know the lima fight so here's what i know what i know is that bilal has been hitting cryotherapy and getting massages every single day since that fight so i think the inflammation went down within a couple days now granted if leon comes out here and kicks that kicks that calf a couple times Just by nature, it's going to be debilitating because that's how powerful that move is. But if you think Bilal, you know, as soon as the ref says go, that Bilal is going to be coming out here with a limp, like, that. that's just not going to be the case, guys. So if Leon beats him, it'll be fair and square and and vice versa. Now, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, uh, do us a favor, give us a like and a subscribe. We truly appreciate it. Now, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 21?
1: My uh, fight to watch is gonna be Gavin Tucker versus Danny Ige, the 145 pound division. Danny Ige is a top uh, a top 15 guy, and he's got the knack for exciting fights. He's coming off that fight with Calvin Katara. I want to see how he builds off that. And Gavin Tucker, Dana White's been saying that this is uh, one of the Canadian prospects, and the Canadians, man, they're running out of prospects. They, I mean, they got Gavin up here. The Wadu is in the mix. Sure, uh, other than that, man. I yeah. Other than that, I don't, really, <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really, I don't really know, man. It's just uh, Julian Robertson. Oh boy, I, it's up to it's up to Tucker and Dawadu, man. I think uh, they gotta they gotta carry the, the, the flag for the country.
0: For me, my fight to watch is Mateus Nicolau versus Manel Cap. I mean, Mateus Nicolau was my top prospect back when he was in the UFC, and Manel Cap seems to be everyone else's top prospect. So, this is going to be a serious showdown between two promising flyweights, and it's going to be a huge win for whoever gets it done, and it's going to be a massive setback for the losers. So, for that reason, Nicolau versus Cap is my fight to watch. And not to mention, it's going to be very exciting while it lasts as well. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch uh, on Saturday night?
1: Um, my fighter to watch is gonna be uh Leon Edwards, man, because I've been having an issue with these guys and these title demands. With you know, for example, you you got Char- I'm not discrediting Charles Oliveira, great fighter. I mean, Charles, I, I, I thank you for it. he came through for me against T Um, but at the same time, look for example, or even Chandler, these guys beat one, they beat one former champ a washed one at that Daniel and then you look at a guy like Dustin Poirier who's had to beat like three former champions just to get a, a interim title fight you know and you got Leon Edwards who's beaten who hasn't fought in two years who's making all these these title demands and you know I don't like how honestly Bilal as well how they're both marking out and and they're talking about using their time to talk about Covington but you know one thing you can't say about like Covington beat Dos Anjos when he was relevant. You know, Covington uh beat Damian Maya when he was relevant. You know, these guys get the washed up remains and and then they make title demands. So I want to see Leon Edwards with all these title demands he's been talking um and I know a lot of people don't like Masvidal for for the uh for the three-piece and the soda thing. But at the same time, Daniel, he Leon Edwards was talking shit, and he got approached like a man as far as I'm concerned. So I want to see how Leon performs this weekend. He's been talking a lot. So Dana, I think Dana already confirmed if he wins, he's getting a title shot. So uh, let's see how he performs. There's a lot of pressure on Saturday night. He might be, he might be one of those situations where he feels very
0: nervous. We'll see. I I love that three piece in the soda. I mean, talk shit, get hit. You already know how you already know what the deal is, Shaq. Uh, But but let let me just say something about that Colby thing. Well, I agree, because when you just you go on Twitter and you see a clip of Bilal talking about Colby, you're like, yo, Bilal, we're fighting Leon. Like, what the fuck? But the context is the reporters brought that up. They started bringing up Colby. He just answered the questions that were asked of him. But I get the way they frame it. They make it seem like he went out of his way to talk about Colby. He was asked about Colby, but my fighter to watch is Jonathan Martinez, and this is a guy who's been making big improvements every single time we see him. He's only 26 years old. He's just a kid, and I think he's got potential to be a top 15 guy. So basically, it starts this weekend with Davy Grant. He's got to come out here. He can't just squeak by Davy Grant. He's got to make a statement. He's got to knock out Davy Grant. He does that. And I think he's going to get a nice little prospect showdown his next fight. So for that reason, Jonathan Martinez is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down tomorrow, Saturday night in Vegas. All our fans, thank you so very much for being here with us. Do us a favor and hit that like button and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify. All the places where we are available. We'll be back uh, next week uh, for the next card as well. Make sure you hit up our sponsor, Manscaped at manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Hit us up at bestfivepicks.com. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.